Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Genesis chapter 1, let's begin there. Now, if you were not here last week, I highly urge you to get the teaching on tithing. We live under the dispensation of grace. Jesus described it as the acceptable day of the Lord. Now, let me just say this, and we did rehearse that in the teaching. You say, is tithing a requirement? Well, let me, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of a strange question because it's in the Word. So if you think whatever's in the Word is a requirement, then under that guise it is yes. But, but being thrown into a bondage of what we call the law, say, so, well, do, do I just have to tithe? Well, no, you don't. Tithing under grace is a choice. But here's the problem. If you do not tithe, you cannot claim the promise. Now, first of all, we looked at the devourer being rebuked. Many times God brings great blessing to God's people and the devil just comes and takes it. I've seen it happen financially. I've seen it happen with health. I've seen it happen with relationships and marriages. I've seen it happen in all kinds of ways in which God says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to put my blessing on you. I'm going to show you my love and I'm going to bless you. And the enemy just comes and takes it just like that. I mean, there's really not much effort in him to take it because he's not been rebuked. Amen. Now, now Lee and I, we've not lost. We've kept everything God's given us. Health, our marriage, our finances. God's blessed the church, blesses our ministry in the field. But you have to understand, in order to receive the promise, you have to obey it. So the curse of what's talked about in Malachi chapter 3, am I under that curse? No, you're not under that curse. You just can't claim the blessing. So everything you try to do when it comes to economics in the kingdom. Now let me say this. Let me say this. And listen, I I hope this helps you see my heart is to help you and not to take your money. Amen. If you don't tithe or don't believe in tithing, don't give any money here. You say, well, I don't want you hurt. Because that opens a door for an offense when you do say, well, you know, I'm going to give to this project. I'm going to do that. I don't really believe in that tithing stuff. But then here comes the enemy, and he just rages against you because you gave something. Amen? Then all of a sudden, here's my suggestion. Sit there, hear the Word of God, go back and listen to it. I suggest get Brother Christopher Alam's book. Read it. Ask, the, ask God, say, God, if this is real, show it to me, reveal it to me, then obey God. Amen? I don't want you hurt. I want you blessed. And I want to shut every door there may be when it comes to offense. But here, Lee and I have learned this. It's such a profound lesson in our lives. In every area of your life, the devourer needs to be rebuked. Because so much of our life is a seed sown. Our words, of course, our finances, we're studying prosperity. And we're going to look at some of that, some of the dynamics of that today. Uh, but, but our actions are deep. You say, well, Pastor, I just don't have any friends. Then you need to be a friend to somebody. You sow friendship, you'll reap friendship. Amen. Well, nobody likes me. Well, then sow like, sow love to somebody and somebody. Anything you sow in the kingdom is going to come back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. But you got to have some kind of assurance that... Your seed's not being messed with. So the Bible says if you will tithe, number one, 
He'll rebuke the devourer. That's the seed destroyer. And he will not devour that which you've sown or that which your seed has produced. Secondly, the Bible says God will open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you ain't got enough days in your life to contain it all. He'll bless you and bless you and bless you. And under the law, the Bible says it goes into the fourth generation. Listen, the Bible says that even in, in Isaac's life and in Jacob's life, that they were blessed because their father and grandfather Abraham tithed. That's why Isaac was able to sow in a land of drought and famine and receive a hundredfold blessing in that year. Amen? So then it says this, your seed will not cast itself before its time in the field. That's a timing promise in which the money that you need and the windfalls that you need financially come into your life right at the right time, not when something else can come and eat it up. Amen? You know, when, when, if I believe God for money to go on a hunting trip, when it comes in, I go on my hunting trip. I don't just hang on it to see what's going to happen. You can ask Leah. I go on my hunting trip. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, there are times when you know you get a windfall, then this will rise up and this will rise up. But I was believing God for the money to do this. Well, see, tithing will give you faith that I'll just go ahead and do what I believe God for the money for and God will send the rest of it in when I need it. Amen. Now, in Genesis chapter 1, creation is taking place. Genesis is a fascinating book. The story of creation. You, you, does anybody know who wrote Genesis? Moses did. Moses wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. You know where he got that revelation? He got that revelation supernaturally by God. When he was up on Mount Sinai, after Israel had come out of Egypt, crossed the Red Sea, and they had come to a place in which God was really wanting to affect them all, but really only one guy, actually two guys, Joshua and Moses, were up on that mountain. And God said to, God, God said to uh, Moses, he said, I want to reveal myself to you. He said, but no man can look on my face and live. So I'm going to take you and hide you in a cleft in the rock. Has anybody ever read that? I'm going to hide you in a cleft in the rock, which is a type of Christ, a type of Jesus. And he said, when I walk by you, I'm going to allow you to look at my hinder parts. Have you ever read that? And thought, what does that mean? Well, that means God says, everything that I am and everything I've done behind me, you're going to know it and you're going to understand it. So he knew about creation. He knew about all the things that took place in the spirit realm. He knew about the fall. He knew about all that happened because of the fall because God let him see what took place from the time of his existence all the way back to creation. And he was able to put it in a book so you could read it. Somebody ought to be excited about that. Genesis chapter 1, creation's taking place. God's putting things in order. He's creating things. Verse 5 said, And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place. Everybody say, one place. And let the dry land appear. You've got to have some dry land to have a crop. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters He called the seas. Everybody said, the seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass and the herb yielding seed. Everybody say seed. And the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and the herb yielding seed after his kind. And the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself. Now notice that again. 
whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw it was good. Now this is the implementation of a law. And let me just say this. No human law can supersede God's law. Let me say that again. No human law can supersede God's law. Now you may say, well, what relevance is that? We're teaching on prosperity. Doesn't matter what goes on in the economy. Doesn't matter the price of oil, the price of gold per ounce. Doesn't matter any of that. God still has a way to bless His people no matter what happens on the earth. Ought to get a better amen than that. No matter what happens to the dollar, no matter what happens, God has a way to bless His people. And His way is assured to us by the law of seed time and harvest. Everybody say, seed time and harvest. Say it again. Seed time and harvest. Now, we must understand that the Bible says that every seed reproduces after its own what? Now, we know that in agriculture, they can get in and make hybrids. There's hybrids of, of oranges and grapefruit. They do it with citrus a lot. There's hybrids of, uh, of all different... Uh, what's that? Uh, uh, asparagus and, and what is it? Broccolini. Yeah, which is broccoli and zucchini or what? Something like that. Anyway, but if you notice, if you ever buy that or eat, there's no seed in it. You can't plant that and produce a plant called broccolini. It's a, it's a hybrid of two. In the, in the animal world, you can take a donkey and a horse and make a mule, but you can't take two mules and make anything. You say, why not? God, God reserves the production of seed to himself. Man cannot produce a seed. Man has never produced a seed. Man never will produce a seed. Only God produces a seed because in the seed is the element of life. Everybody say life. Everybody say life. Now, we know that the fall took place, and when the fall of man took place, the ground was cursed. So one of the two components necessary for seed time and harvest, which was you need seed and you need what? You need ground to produce harvest. Can't just hold a seed out here in midair and think something's going to happen. It just ain't going to happen. Can't throw it in the water. You know, I know there's some seeds that will germinate in water, but for the most part, they need, they need soil. They need soil to produce fruit. Amen. So the, the, the part of the equation that was necessary for harvest got cursed. The ground got cursed. The Bible says that's when thorns begin to grow. We have a, 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 had a plant. We lost it in the freeze. Actually, we got two. We got another one uh, uh, called crown of thorns. And, and it, it's called that not because it's so thorny. It's got, man, some of the most wickedest thorns you've ever seen in your life. But at the top of it, 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 it blooms a flower in a circle. All these little flowers that create what they call the crown of thorns. Beautiful plant. Some of you may have seen one. But in reality, that is a sign of the curse that came on nature itself was the thorns begin to grow. So we know that God uh, had to judge the earth because the iniquity of man, the sin of man got so strong. The violence said that the Bible said that violence and perversion took the whole world over. So God judged the world and destroyed it with a mighty flood that covered the whole. Thank God for one righteous man and his family named Noah, who during that time, the Bible says God found in him a perfect man. A man not was perfect in his actions, but actually a man who's, who had not been tainted by everything that was going on in the earth at, at that time. Amen? Now, with that in mind, go to Genesis chapter 8. Let's look at something else about the seed. Now, this is after the, after the, uh, after the flood... Now remember this too, church. 
after the flood is also after judgment. Which means the judgment that God brought on the earth through the flood was ended with the flood. Amen. Now I know when God instituted the, the law when it came to Israel, He judged Israel based on that law, but that initial curse of the fall was taken care of with that flood. Are you with me? Now Genesis chapter 8, the flood had come to a culmination. Uh, the ark uh, lied upon Mount Ararat, and the waters begin to recede, uh, which is a sign of the judgment of God receding. Now this is what God said. Now notice this. Pick it up there in verse, uh, verse 20. It says, Noah built an altar unto the Lord and took every clean beast of every clean beast and every clean fowl and offered a burnt offering uh, uh, upon the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. Now notice this. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Now notice this. Neither again will I smite anymore everything that is living as I have done. Now listen to it in the Amplified. Verse 21. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing odor, a scent of satisfaction to his heart, the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground. Everybody say the ground. Say it again. So the curse is removed from the ground. Are you with me? Now notice this. Because of man, for the imagination... The strong desire of man's heart is evil and wicked from his youth. Now, you think, well, pastor, now wait a minute. He's talking about ground, and then he starts talking about man's heart. God is showing us here the reason for the judgment that I just brought on the earth is because the ground of man's heart only produced evil. He is showing us the ground that grows plants was cursed. And when the ground that grows plants was cursed, man's heart was cursed. Therefore, man could produce no good. The only thing man could produce was evil and violence and perversion. And because of that evil, violence, and perversion, God cursed man and he destroyed man except for, uh, except for Noah and his family. And then he gave man a promise, I've removed the curse. The curse is not on your ground anymore, neither is the curse on your heart. So what does that mean? That means the heart of man has now become the good soil for God to put his seed in. Now liken it to this. We know and we, don't, we want to stay in church. We don't want to get out, outside the boundaries. But God gave us procreation for the human race through reproduction. But every individual human being contains a womb in the Spirit designed for the seed of God to be planted in the womb of your spirit to bring forth the promise of God in your life so that all the world can see the goodness of God in you. God wants you to be a reflection of Him. Amen? Now, all the way back into the Gospels here. Mark chapter 4. How's my time? I'm doing good. Mark chapter 4. 
great parable of the sower, which actually Jesus said, this is the most important parable that I'm telling you. Find it here in uh, verse 13, Mark chapter 4. He said unto them, Know ye not this parable? How then will you know all parables? Now notice this. The sower soweth the word. Now remember, church, how I many remember what we, when we started this on prosperity, what did we, what did we say? We're not going to stay religiously brainwashed. We're going to get New Testament taught. So the sower soweth the word. The sower soweth the word. The sower soweth the word. Now, first of all, understand that you are available to God for sowing. Number one, the number one way the Word of God is sown into your spirit, man, is by the teaching and preaching of the Word of God. Secondarily, it's by you reading and studying and meditating on the Word. You say, well, Pastor, why do you put teaching and preaching above study and meditation? Because here's the thing. If you've got to choose between the two, you want to be taught and preached to because that comes with a gift and an anointing from God that helps to open your ears and deposit the seed in your spirit. The majority of everything I've received from God, I've gotten through teaching and preaching. But there has been some things that I've studied, read, and meditated that the good seed of the Word of God has been planted in my spirit. But now notice this. The sower soweth. That's an act. Now what does he sow? He sows the Word. Now we've said this over and over, and I want to rehearse it to you. You're a tither. Now you're ready to give. Because you're going to go sow a seed... But the one who devours the seed and destroys the seed cannot touch your seed because you've tied. You've caused the good soil of your heart to open up. Therefore, you're ready to plant, so we're talking about prosperity, a seed of prosperity. Everybody say a seed. The seed that you plant is not your money. Now see, that's where a lot of people got, well, I tell you, that money, that's your seed there. But I tell you, you better take care of your money. That's your seed. No, it's not. Through your act of giving, you are sowing the Word. Money does not reproduce after its own kind. The Word does. The Word needs an element of life. Your money's just the husk. Those $100 bills, that check, that what you do with your phone, that's just the husk. That's what you're wanting to reproduce after its own kind. You're wanting that to become seed, so you need that element. But what you need is the element of life in order to have a seed. So when you sow, you are what? Sowing the Word. So what's going to produce in your life? The Word's going to produce. The Word's going to produce. Now notice this. These are they that are sown by the wayside. Well, when the Word is sown, and they've heard it, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the Word that was sown in their heart. Now let me say this. Through distortion of prosperity teaching and bad doctrine, a lot of people have had the Word of prosperity stolen from their life. Now let me say something to you. If you've got an offense in you because you sat under some preacher or some ministry and they got super rich off your money, you need to get healed of that. You say, why? They made a mistake, but you continue in their mistake by your offense to it. And it will affect your finances all the days of your life. Listen, a guy came to me in a meeting. I was teaching a meeting. A very, very large ministry fell. The guy was a pastor, and he was part of the denomination 
that this individual had fallen. And I'll tell you, he was a big, it was a big fall. And so preaching this man's church, a revival meeting, he came to me and he said, he just shook his head. We were sitting at a table eating. He just shook his head. He said this. I'm telling you, I wasted so much money giving to that ministry. He said, I tell you, I wasted thousands of dollars of my own personal money and thousands and thousands of dollars of this church's money. And now that man has fallen into sin and all kinds of unrighteousness. I wasted all that money. I said, hold on, hold on. I said, first of all, who'd you give that money to? And he thought for a minute. He said, well, I gave it to God. I said, God didn't fall. I said, don't let go of your faith. I said, don't quit believing because you sowed a seed into the good soil of your own heart and who cares what happened to that preacher? It is between you and God, and he has promised you reproduction by the word of God. So I don't care what that preacher's done. You stand in faith that you sowed and gave to God, and you're going to get it back good measure pressed down. Did you know he did? Amen. Well, I don't care what a preacher's done to you. You need to let go of that. That's an offense that will keep finances from flowing into your life. And listen, if you're offended over tithing, listen, get healed of that because there is a devourer out there who will try and steal everything in your life, not just money. So don't let Satan steal it. The second one here, now this is one unique to, to, to most of us today. It says, and these are likewise which are sown on stony ground. Everybody say stony ground. Now notice, it's, it, there's ground, but it's kind of stony. So there's some stones we've got to get out. Who when they have heard the word, if I say heard, heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. So they're happy. Oh, that's great. We love that tithing, giving glory to God. But now notice this. This is an important point, and we've used it from many angles. But they have no root in themselves. Didn't say they didn't have any roots in the church or roots in religion. It said they have no root in themselves. Now here's my best explanation. When you come to Island Church, Sunday, night, Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, that's our regular services, then our special meetings, we have other people come and teach and preach. had a wonderful uh, speaker here on, on Wednesday night. You are eating out of the gardens of the men and women of God that are ministering to you. The things they have sowed, things they have reaped, and now you're sharing of that with them. Now, that's all well and good, but the problem is you can't live out of their gardens. You can't live out of my garden. You can't live out of Brother Christopher's garden or, or Danny Johnson's garden or anybody else's. You've got to grow your own garden. You've got to have some root in yourself. But because they have no root in themselves, now notice some of you may be familiar with this process. Have no root in themselves. When they have heard the word, Immediately receive it with God. Have no root in themselves, so endure but for a time. That means there's a time limit on their faith. And when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended, violated, victimized, or caused to stumble and fall. Which means what? You do something by faith financially, and the devil's going to try you out. He's going he to see what your faith is all about. You say, well, Pastor, that doesn't sound very good to me. No, no, you got to hear the end of the story, the good news. You make a decision, I'm going to believe God. I'm going to stand in faith. I'm going to rejoice. Listen, I've been believing God uh, literally since 2012. Now, that's almost nine years. Well, it is nine years this year, but not. it was in the fall of 2012, so it'll be nine years coming up. So for nine, I've been believing God for $5 million. I hadn't lost my faith. I'm more, I'm more sure of it now than I ever was eight years ago. 
12 years ago, however long it is. I'm more sure of it now than I've ever been. You say, how can you be? There's been so much time. Who endure, but what? For a season of time. Then what happens? Affliction and persecution arises, what? For the Word's sake. That means the enemy's coming after the Word. He doesn't like it for you to have the Word of God sown into your heart. He doesn't want you tithing. He doesn't want you giving. He wants you bound by poverty. Let me just say this. Poverty is a spirit. And I've seen some of the most impoverished people in the world that were rich, that had a lot of money, but they were so afraid they might lose a dime or lose a nickel. They wouldn't give. They were so stingy. Why? Because their money was their God. Amen. But money's not your God. God is your God. Now, here's the good news. And this works not only financially. It works physically. You come to the altar. You get prayed for for healing. You go back to your seat. You have a temporal, you know, you, you came up. The anointing was released. You have a temporal relief. But you go out. You get in your car. You start driving home. Symptoms try to come back on you, sometimes even strong. You think, why? You ought to put your hands up and rejoice. You say, why? I'm not feeling good anymore. I was feeling good when I got prayed for. No, no, no. The affliction and persecution coming against you is a sign that faith has taken hold in you. Amen? Now, some of you have experienced this. Lee and I have experienced this personally, recently. We're stepping out into some things in faith. We're believing God. We're standing on the, on the precipice of, of what I believe is a great windfall into this church. I am teaching on prosperity. You're coming to church. You're hearing the word taught. You're tithing. You're offering. You're giving to Pastor Christopher Alam, different ones that come to missions work, all this kind of stuff. Amen? And some of you are saying, what's going on with my finances? Well, affliction and persecution is arising for the word's sake. And the enemy is trying to get you offended or victimized when God wants you to do just what we said when we took the offering in Philippians chapter 4. He wants you to stand on the word because he said and promised you he would supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen? So eight to nine years I've been standing. I'm, I'm more in faith than I've ever been. Well, what if it doesn't come? I never consider what ifs. If is doubt. I've never let myself get into doubt. And you know what's amazing is I've taken offerings all over the planet for other people and raised hundreds of thousands, maybe even close to millions of dollars and even given millions of dollars that I could have held on to. But here's the thing. I'd have never had that money if I wouldn't have been a giver. But we as a church have sowed I tithe the church. That's why the church is still here. The devourer has not been able to destroy it. What do you think the church is that the enemy is going to attack the most? The one that preaches the word or the one that just kind of pacifies people? No, those pacified social churches, they get fat, 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 grow big, 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 large because there's never no attack against them because they're no threat to the devil. But honey, we are a threat to the kingdom of darkness. And our money is a threat to the kingdom of darkness. So listen, you make that decision, I'm going to hear the word, I'm going to grow me a garden. I'm going to have some root in myself, I'm going to start getting rid of the stones out of my life, and I guarantee you hide and watch, the blessing of God's going to overtake me in the way, and I guarantee you I'm not going to end up victimized by the devil. Amen? Now, real quick, how's my time? Got a couple of minutes left. Go to... Uh, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 
2 Corinthians chapter 9, real quick. Let me read it here in the King James. It says, but this I say, verse, uh, verse 6, this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according to his purpose in his heart, uh, let, him, let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. Now notice this, for God loveth a cheerful, everybody say giver. Now, this we're going to end up. Let me read the, end up this morning. Let me read it in my, in my Passion Bible. Here's my point: a stingy sower will reap a meager harvest, but one who sows from a generous spirit will reap an abundant harvest. Let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. Let it spring up freely from the joy of giving. All because God loves hilarious generosity. Now here is the power of the word to change your mind and to change your attitude. Watching TV the other day, I saw a commercial for the publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes. I pray this never happened, but think if, think if this happened. You know, they come to your house and they've got the check for $17 million. A 17 and six zeros. They're in your doorbell. You come to the door. They say, hi, we're Publishers Clearinghouse Sweepstakes. You've won the sweepstakes for this year. And now here is a check for $17 million. So you're jumping up and down and running around the house. And your family, the dogs are barking, all that's going on. Then all of a sudden, the guy looks down at his pad and says, oh, I'm sorry. This is 1213 Elm Street. We're supposed to be over here at 1217. Amen. Now, how would you feel if you're the guy that lived at 1213? Oh, we're sorry. You know, you were jumping around. Hey! Now, remember what we showed you over in Acts chapter 20, where, where the Apostle Paul said, Remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ when he said, You are more blessed when you what? Give than when you receive. Then he says this right into the Corinthian church, right into the church in Galveston. God loves a cheerful, a hilarious, a glad to do it. What? So what is the attitude of the world? The checks come. Woo! All right. Glory to God. The checks come. That's a human law. But remember, the human family's cursed. And what did God say? That's not for receiving. Sure, you worship God. You thank God. When you, but he said, that's over here for giving. That's over here for giving. Glory to God. I get to give. If you've ever believed God for an amount to give, or you've ever been uh, challenged by God to give a large offering, and when you give it, you have this, this, this overwhelming joy. That's not of this world. You go walking down the street with a big smile on your face. Somebody stops you and says, why are you so happy? How come you just smile and say, well, you know, I went to Island Church the other day and I gave $5,000 in the offering. You know what they'll say to you? They say, have you lost your mind? <laughs> Will you follow me over to Jeannie Seeley, seventh floor? <laughs> Amen. Because we need, to, we need to put you in a rubber room. You've lost your mind. But the Bible says of the Lord Jesus Christ, he endured the suffering and the shame of the cross for what? The joy that was set before him. You are his joy. 
You are his harvest. Every seed, we're going to look, that's how we're going to, the angle we're going to come at next week is that which is sown, what happens? It does not reproduce unless it what? Dies. And what is death or dying to the human experience? It's separation. You put that money in the offering, you give it unto God, you trust God's people to take care of it and use it the right way. Listen, it's released, it's gone, it's in your soil, it dies. But then what happens? Up comes the sprout. The life of the Word of God takes hold from the unseen to the seen. Next thing you know, you get a raise. Your investments begin to pay off. Your, your, your business begins to get blessed. You begin to have increase and abundance. But here's the thing I want to end with today. I have followed after a gentleman who's gone on, went on to be with the Lord in 2003, Kenneth e. Hagin. He wrote the book, The Authority of the Believer. In his own ministry, I heard him say this many times, and I, I, I adopted it into my life. The authority of the believer is the true doctrine of the Word of God that shows us we as believers here on the earth, we have authority over the devil. We have authority in the name of Jesus. We have authority by the power of the Word of God. And we have the power of the Holy Ghost in our life. The Bible says of the devil, he is under our feet. He needs to stay there. But this is what Brother Kenneth e. Hagin said. Brother Kenneth e. Hagin said, when it comes to spiritual authority, the area of the covenant in which that authority must be released the most is in finances. Because in every other area of the covenant, it's just between you and God. Healing, now if it's being blocked, if you're not getting healed, you need to check up on your unforgiveness. If you've got unforgiveness or offense in your life, you need to get all that blockage out of the way. But there's really nothing in the world system that can mess with your healing. Amen. But now... Prosperity, what? There's a world system upon the earth. There's a world financial system right now that is deteriorating, getting shakier by the day. I believe there's a purpose in its destruction, and that is to bring on the Antichrist system. That's what they're doing. There's a purpose. You think everything's going to just keep on the way it's going. We keep spending trillions and trillions and nothing's ever going to happen. That's not right. I mean, you, you just do the math. It's going to become a mess and a big mess uh, shortly. They don't like currency anymore. They want things to go digital. They want things to go, they want things to go into your hand and into your forehead. They want you, uh, you won't be able to sell or buy or get on an airplane or, or actually go get uh, medical treatment or do anything unless you've got your chip. Amen. Well, that's the world system. And so God has to come into that system and do what? He has to arrange things. He has to move things around. He has to get things ready so that when your faith and his provision get to the same place. That provision gets released. So you constantly have to say, devil, get your hands off my finances. In the name of Jesus, You, every one of you stinking spirits that's trying to mess with my money, trying to mess with my job, trying to mess with my business, in the name of Jesus, and you've got to do it day after day after day. You say, why? Because we have to deal with finances day after day after day, and every day the enemy's trying to come up with a brand new strategy to try to steal your money and bankrupt you. That's why every day you ought to put up your hand and say, Father, I thank you for the power of the name of Jesus. Excuse me, Father, I know I'm standing here worshiping you. God, I've got something I need to take care of. Just a minute. Devil, you liar! How dare you attack my money? Get your hands off my job. Get your hands off my business. Get your hands off my investment. Okay, Father, I'm back. Sorry about that. Just had need to go do that for a minute. You think, well, that's just crazy. <laughs> yeah, right. The Bible says, the kingdom of God suffereth violence, but the violence do what? They take it by force. And in these last days, you that have made the decision, I'm going to tithe and I'm going to offer. The Bible says we do that with simplicity. Amen. That means 
Keep account of what you're doing. Don't just fling money in your giving. I keep record, detailed records. Listen, if you got in your car and drove up here to Chambers County and found a, found a, found a farmer, you know, maybe farming two or three sections of land, he would have documented, you know, in those fields over there by that road, you know, we're letting that one pasture risk, but man, we've got soybean in that one, and we've got rice growing in that one, and you know, we decided to farm crawfish over here, and we, and we got this. He would have a detailed, detailed journal of what he's planted and where he's planted it, and I guarantee you, if you talk to him, he's expecting a harvest. Amen? And you know, let me tell you a little, about, a little bit about farming. This might help you. Did you know farmers insure their crops? They put in a crop of rice, you know, a section, section of what, 640 acres, 620 acres? Put in 600, 600 acres of rice, you go down and you insure it. You say, why? Because a storm comes, knocks it out, you get paid by that insurance. Did you know you don't have insurance for your spiritual money? You've got assurance. I said, you've got assurance. One of the most amazing phenomenons we ever experienced here at Island Church was the destruction of our church in 2008. We didn't have insurance, but honey, we had assurance. Amen? We've adjusted that. We got insurance today. I tell you, if they wipe this building out, we're going to be rich. Amen? I mean, we pay a lot. We pay a lot for insurance. But back then, we had that assurance that no matter what the enemies tried to do. And we went down to zero. We wrote one check, went down to zero. 30 grand, that's all we had in all of our accounts. Wrote one check and paid a $120,000 bill with a $30,000 check. But the next thing you know, money started coming. We had our conference that year. We held it up at the convention center. Uh, we just kept supporting missions. We doubled our mission support the month our church was destroyed. And money started coming in from every direction. Over 300 and something thousand dollars came in. Not only that, people came from all over, gave all kinds of stuff. God did miracle after miracle after miracle. And we were the first church on Galveston Island to be back in its church on Easter Sunday 2009 because assurance is better than insurance. Amen. Hallelujah. Lift your hands up. Father, we thank you right now. Now, Lord, for every person in here, I stand with them in faith. Those in who their business, their job, their finances have been attacked by the adversary for they have dared to sit and hear the Word of God in their life. Devil, you're a liar. You get your hands off God's people. And I stand in the authority of the pastor, the authority that that affords me, but, Father, more important, the authority of the name of Jesus, the power of the Word, the power of the Holy Ghost. And I say, Satan, you are rebuked in Jesus' name off the finances of God's people here at Island Church. I declare raises. I declare bonuses. I declare miracle money. Everybody say miracle money. I declare investments paying off. And doing it now in Jesus' name. And we rejoice and we claim that $5 million. Believe and we receive it as ours and we shall have it in Jesus' name. Thanking you, Heavenly Father, that you do all things well and in your timing. We thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name. And everyone says, every head bowed real quick. Everybody looks pretty familiar. Everybody doing right, living right. Anybody's here today, say, I'm not right with God. I need to be right with God. Please pray for me. Would you lift your hand real quick? Anyone? 
One hand. You can put your hand down. Anyone else? Quickly as we look around. Now, everybody stand. We're going to pray a prayer out loud. I'm not going to ask anybody to come up here. But let me just say this. We pray this prayer. You that raised your hand, get right. Stay right. You got to stay right. You got to fight to stay right. They better write me a book called You Ought to Fight to Stay Right. That'd be a good one. Amen. Everybody pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. I claim He is my Lord. He is my Savior. Virgin born. A sinless life. Died on the cross. Rose from the dead. Did it all for me. I believe it. I receive it. Heavenly Father, areas of my life that break my fellowship. Forgive me. Forgive me. I appropriate the blood of Jesus that right now cleanses me from all sin and all unrighteousness. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord, to stay right. I resist my past and its ability to encroach upon my present. In my present, I live in the grace of God, thanking you, Lord, for a supernatural future in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Father, now as we leave today, we claim your promise of Psalms 91. No evil befalls us. No plague comes near our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. A thousand could fall at our side, 10,000 at our right hand, but it will not come nigh us. Only with our eyes will we behold and see the reward of the wicked. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In our travels, the airways, highways, seaways, railways, any other way of travel or transportation, we declare our protection and safety. The righteous labor of our hands we handle the wonderful resource you've given us. Thank you, Heavenly Father. No, no trauma, no terror, no accidents, no evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself. We even stand against the medical attack upon the human body through these corona diseases and flus. We stand on the front end of that and say, no, in the name of Jesus, we resist you. Thank you for the witness of our heart. Thank you, Lord God, each and every one of us are able to be an answer to people's prayer, a miracle to people in their lives, a problem to the devil. Fathers, we leave today. We walk in faith and love towards you and love toward one another. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by God. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgallison.com.